Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. Sports, entertainment, little to no culture. It's time for Unsportsmanlike Conduct with Ed Graney and Adam Hill. Welcome to Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports and presented by the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Blue Wire, and Liquid Death. We're your hosts, Ed Graney and Adam Hill, and we're here each week to give you our thoughts on the Las Vegas Raiders before entering into a world of news and topics we find interesting. Here we go. So I want to start with Josh Jacobs. Um, and I want to get your thoughts on this because they did not pick up Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option. We all know that. Um, I think at the time, everyone assumed with uh, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler coming from New England, it was going to be a running back by committee. They drafted Zimir White. I think everyone thought, okay, uh, Josh Jacobs will split carries or he won't have as many carries as he's had in the past. He even played in the Hall of Fame game, which everyone really thought was a red flag to his uh, usage this year. And look what's happened. Uh, he's setting records all over the place. So uh, how surprised are you that the production has been this much given they didn't pick up his option and and how, you know, guys attitudes sometimes like that turn against it. And he's obviously had a better attitude than most. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's, let's start with the hall of fame game since you, since you slipped it in there. I mean, that was not an overreaction. That was not, you know, people throwing up caution, you know, caution or red flags when they weren't there. Like that was a real thing. And Josh Jacobs talked about that recently a little bit, um, not directly necessarily, but you know, he, he kind of made reference to the fact that he thought the same thing everybody else did when he played in that game. Like It, it was a surprise and it wasn't expected. And it was very it's kind of stunning to him. And, like every action that the Raiders made this offseason suggested they were done with Josh Jacobs. It's not like that was a media narrative created out of nowhere. They drafted two running backs, they didn't pick up his option, and they played him in the first preseason game. Like in an extra preseason game, by the way. So all those things added up to they didn't know what they had. They didn't plan on maybe making him the long-term guy. Uh, and that's never what they've done before. They've always gone by committee. They've always gone with a variety of guys. They've never paid one guy to be a running back. But um, for all, you know, if you're taking everything at face value, and I think in a lot of ways you can in this situation, the Raiders were just kind of surprised by how good he was. Um he hasn't had a season like this where he's, he just hasn't come out of games. He hasn't been injured at all. I mean, he's dealing with some things, but he's playing through them. He's playing at a completely different level. And if you want to say, Hey, this is, uh, this is because it's a contract year and he's trying to earn money. Okay, fine. You could say that, but um, I think he's, he's always played at a very high level. It's just that he's been, you know, more consistently given opportunities and more consistently healthy this year. And he's been taking full advantage of it. So, I mean, I think it's fair to say they made a mistake on not picking up his option. I think it's fair to say they may have not had to draft two running backs if they felt Josh Jacobs was going to be around long-term, but um, it's also fair to say it's, you know, it's pretty smart to acknowledge mistakes. And I think in some ways the Raiders have by making him the guy and you would think trying to negotiate something long-term, we'll see what they do after the season, but there is still the cynical side of a lot of people, myself included, that says maybe they're doing this for a reason. Maybe they're trying to, you know, wear him into the ground because he's not not locked up after this year and they're just trying to drive him, you know, to put as much as you can on his body and, you know, he's not your problem anymore. And and if that's the case, that's kind of the unfortunate side of the business, but it is business and it's how it's done in the NFL. So that's where we've kind of come on running backs now. Yeah, I think that's a viable thing you're saying to where wear him down. Uh, we didn't pick up his option. We've got Zamir White waiting in the wings and uh, that's going to be that. I think people hate to hear that and they don't believe that, but like you said, it's the NFL and running backs uh, can lose it fast, uh, despite what kind of year he's having. Um, they can lose their legs fast. Uh, 
uh, even though he's still relatively young. Um, does this, does anything he's done surprise you though, just on the field after watching him his first three years? I mean, being on the field, I think, I think is one of the big ones. Uh, he's a guy who just runs so hard and his style dictates that he's going to get beat up and, you know, pretty much every week we've seen him before this year, we've seen him on the sidelines, either in the tent or being attended to by trainers, you know, throughout the game. And, you know, missing a series here and there as he dealt with injury and, and fought through them. And he's fought through them really, really well. This is not an, and this is not a shot at his toughness or anything like that. He's played through a lot and, and it's, it's a largely a result of how hard he runs and how hard he plays. And uh, this year he's just been able to get through all that and fight through it. And, you know, last week had the calf injury and then all of a sudden, you know, he's, he's out there, he's playing and he's putting up one of the most historically good days we've ever seen. So um, he's been able to battle through this year in ways that we just haven't seen out of him necessarily. And, and I think, you know, we saw it early in camp. I, I remember, you know, tweeting it out as many other people did in training camp, like, wow, Josh Jacobs just looks different this year. He he got healthier, he got faster, he got more explosive. And um, I think you're seeing that pay dividends. So it's not necessarily surprising, but just the biggest thing is just him being there and being available. All right. What would uh, you're Dave Ziegler now um, and uh, you have a choice. There's different choices you can make here. Contract, let them walk, um, uh, franchise tag him. I'm of the belief they should franchise tag him. What are your thoughts? I think that's probably the first and most possible option. Um, so, I, yeah, I think uh, I, I think they have a lot of a lot of deciding to do because Again, you want for Josh Jacobs, like you want him to get a long-term guaranteed contract. That's what you want as somebody who watches him, who watches him play every day and and prepare the way he does. And and as fans, I'm sure, would also want to see him, you know, get paid and locked up. But that's just not the reality of the NFL world right now. Right. And you know, right. I've, I've I've made some you know, pitches in the past for changing the salary structure of running backs and getting more guaranteed contracts and getting them paid more up front because their lifespan is so short and because they don't get paid and rewarded the way they should. Um, but the reality of the business is now makes it very difficult to put in a, uh, you know, put a long-term contract on a running back. And so I think a franchise tag is a very, very possible and maybe even likely option for this team to explore. Um, I, I just, I just don't know what they're thinking now because they, they just gave so many indications that they were kind of moving on from Josh Jacobs before this season. And it's, it's obviously changed the equation now. Would you perhaps sign him to a deal where you can get him money up front, uh, but get, uh, pass him, uh, move on after a year, much like they've done with Carr and Adams and others. Maybe, but I mean, I don't know if you would want that. Like, you know, I think if, if I'm his agent, I'm saying, no, I'm I'm not, I'm not getting paid once I'm getting paid, you know, for three years, I'm getting something guaranteed or at least close to guaranteed, or at least with some structure in it, that's beneficial to me. That's not going to make it possible for you to pay me for one year and then move on and then maybe run me into the ground again. And right. then what is my value? If, if I've had two seasons of, you know, 400 touches or whatever it's going to be, uh, then what's my value on the market? So I'm, I'm, I'm getting paid for as long as I can in, in a, you know, at least semi guaranteed way. Uh, if I'm him and I'm his agent, that's what I'm looking for. Is this team, after uh, watching the Seattle game, watching the Denver game before it, uh, I, I don't want to say finally, but is this team picking up the Josh McDaniels offense? Like people said in the beginning of the year, it might take some time. Um, it might take, you know, several games for them to start picking things up. In your mind, and, and given what Jacobs has done and, and and you know, Devontae Adams, 
Do you think now we look back on that and say, yeah, people were right. It was going to take some time. Or do you think they're still far away? I mean, I think it's still a work in progress. I don't think they're there, but I also like, I don't think their offense is much different now than it was at the beginning of the year. Like they're making plays on the, on the final drive. That's, that's really the difference that's been the last couple of weeks. Now the, the Seattle game was different. That was just a wild kind of shootout. But um, to me, like their offense seems fairly similar uh, to what we saw early in the season. It's just, you know, for how many, six times they got the ball with a chance to, to tie or take the lead on the last possession. And they came up short all six times, six times, uh, the last two they've come through. And so is it really that much different what they're doing now? I mean, I think you're seeing, you're seeing definitely, you know, incremental progress. You're seeing them get better and more comfortable and a better understanding. And you saw certainly uh, with that play call on the Josh Jacobs run of, you know, understanding what they were, what they were trying to switch to, what they wanted to get into, where, you know, the, the weakness of the defense was, and like they picked all that stuff up and that's, that's definitely progress. And that's part of this. But uh, to me, it's just finding a way to close. It's not necessarily what they're doing. The first three and a half quarters is different. It's, it's that last finishing, finishing sequence where they're coming through. Anything stand out about the Seattle win that you were surprised at? Well, that it didn't rain. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I was there. It did not rain. It's no, it snowed the next day when we got out of there. So got out of there quick. Sure. Um, but no, I mean, I think, you know, Overcoming the adversity, I think, was kind of important uh, from that game of, you know, you come out, you throw an interception on the first play of the game, um, and and they score right away. And so you're, you know, kind of thinking, all right, where is this going to go? Like, is it going to kind of spiral from here? And, and it didn't. They came right back down the field and tied it up and then had another interception, but overcame that too. So I think the... You know, the ability to not let those things, you know, not let one mistake turn into four or not let two turn into five. You know, that's that was, I think, a good step uh, for this team. And, um, you know, so somewhat impressive that they were to do. And, you know, we know that the run defense has been good. The run defense was great. You know, Kenneth Walker is emerging as one of the bright young stars in the league. And they really shut him down last week. And I think, um, you know, Jerry Tillery has been a, a nice addition. He's been playing at a pretty high level. But uh, Kyle Tecco is another guy who uh, has been active a couple of times recently. and. I think it's really given them a boost uh, in, in the interior of that defense. I think the interior of the defensive line is what's kind of changing. And then uh, Chandler Jones recovers a fumble. Yes, he did. It may, it may not have jumped out on the stat sheet, but eight quarterback pressures. Eight. He had, had seven in the previous six games combined. So, you know, Chandler Jones kind of coming alive a little bit last week. was, was what, do you say, what are you saying? What are you, what are you intimating? Here? Playing better. All right. Are you saying what that he wasn't playing well before? No, no. Well, I don't think he's playing particularly well before. I do think he had a good game the other day. I'm just giving you a hard time. Uh, Yeah, he he played well. They need him to play well. I'll tell you what, they need him to play well this week as well, given who they're about to face in the Chargers and Justin Herbert. Yeah, no question about it. You got to you got to pressure them. And, uh, you know, they got if the defense didn't need motivation before they they got it with Keenan Allen and some of his comments this week about uh barbecued chicken in the secondary. Beautiful. So, yeah. Oh, I thought that was great. Yeah, I love I love, you know, stepping up the rivalry to a new level. And um I actually asked Josh McDaniels about it earlier this morning. So uh, did you ask him did you tell him about barbecue chicken? No, I asked, I I said and I did this kind of specifically because I wanted to see how he reacted. And I said, hey, Keenan Allen had some comments about uh about your defensive backs and your defense. And he said, Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to test if he had heard. I don't want to give him the details if he hadn't heard them yet. And then I would have filled them in if he hadn't heard. But uh, I wanted to see if he had uh, if he had heard, and he clearly had. And 
Um, listen, he downplayed it as he should. Uh, yeah, you're not going to get into a war of words between a coach and Keenan Allen on on secondaries no. being barbecued chicken. No. No, but I'd be stunned if that's not in the meeting room right now. If that, oh, sure. if that message is not on the board. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Debt. And it's available in still, sparkling, and three other flavors. Why is this water called Liquid Death? Well, basically, it'll brutally murder your thirst. And their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable and can actually be profitable for recycling facilities. One day I was at work in the cafeteria and saw the Las Vegas Review Journal was carrying liquid death in the vending machine. So I sat drinking one at work while eating my tacos just to fake my coworkers out and make them think I was having an icy cold tall boy with lunch. Go get liquid death at your local Smith's, Walmart, Sprouts, or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. That's liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. Yeah, it's going to be on that board we see when we walk into the locker room. Remember, they they type up things on that board. You're going to see you're going to see a huge barbecue chicken, a, a picture of a huge barbecue chicken. That's all you're going to see today. I would not be surprised at all. Um, let's get to the Chargers then, because they can kind of put a dent in the Chargers' uh, playoff run here and and win their third straight game. The Chargers continue to be a weird team, and you almost you know waiting around for them to uh, you know implode as usual. Um, what? You know, what are some keys this week? We already talked about Herbert. We know about barbecue chicken, um, you know, putting pressure on Herbert, um, you know, knowing where Eckler is. Uh, but more, I'm more uh, uh, interested in how you think the Raiders move the ball against him. I think Herbert's going to move the ball through the air, but how how the Raiders can move the ball through, you know, against a, a team that's had some injuries and then done on both sides of the ball and how important that's going to be to, you know, kind of keep up with them. Yeah. I mean, I know, look, I know it's not exciting. It's not fun, but I don't think I would throw the ball very often. Um, except if they start, you know, loading the box late because the Chargers have just struggled so much with the run. You've been running the ball so well, your offensive line is so much more comfortable running the ball. And I, I'm an anti run the ball person usually, but, um, this seems to be a matchup that dictates running the ball early and often for the Raiders. And I think that's how I would approach it. And then, you know, maybe try to hit them over the top at some point if they start to start teeing up, but uh, Derwin James is very good safety for sure. And so, you know, you've got some, some very good playmakers on the defensive side to deal with, but I think run the ball, uh, pop some passes here and there, and, uh, obviously, uh, make sure Devontae Adams is involved, but, uh, I think it's a it's a Josh Jacobs game, and the more he's on the field, the more it helps for defense, and the more you can, you know, be able to shut down uh, Justin Herbert in that offense. And you know, Herbert again, they're not really opening him up; they're not taking many sh- shots down the field. But Keenan Allen being healthy now is big, and Josh Palmer is very very good when Mike Williams isn't there. So um, Josh Palmer as a secondary receiver is, is a is a pretty impressive player that you got to make sure you're aware of. And of course, Austin Eckler out of the backfield, uh, much more effective at the passing game than the running game, but um, he'll get to two. So uh, a lot of, a lot of things you're going to have to cover and deal with on their side. And I think uh, actually Gerald Everett, the tight end might, might flash in this game as well. So uh, a lot of guys to be aware of on the defensive side, uh, but you know, it kind of all starts with Herbert and and Eckler and, you know, really throwing you off and, and getting you to cheat up and then popping you with some of those guys over the top. Are we in line for a long Raiders uh, winning streak here? 
Remember last year with Cleveland, and then they won four straight? I mean, it's setting up that way. Now, the the bad side is they waited a little long and they fell a little behind. And um, I know I was running some projections. And if they do win the next three, which is very possible, uh, they've got the Chargers here. They've got the, at the uh, Rams the Rams on a short week at SoFi. And the Rams have, I think at last check, like 180 million of their 250 million. Yeah, or, or, or out entry. Yeah. On, on IR or out. So. Um, that could be that could be an opportunity uh, for a victory against the Super Bowl champion, maybe the worst defending Super Bowl champions in NFL history. Uh, and then home against New England it will be a very emotional game, but certainly a home game against a team that uh, we saw struggling a little bit yesterday. So, um, yeah, the opportunity is there. Now, the issue is, as I ran the projections, if I give them wins in each of the next three games, depending on what happens elsewhere, they still, with a five-game winning streak at that point, would only be at about a 27% chance to make the playoffs. Still, even then. Yeah. Man, that kind of shows you how they started out this season. I guess it yeah. also shows you where other teams are in the AFC, but yeah. it really shows you how they kind of put themselves behind things with that bad start. Yeah, no question. Uh, let's see. Uh, I want to ask you a couple other things. Uh, uh, first, uh, Thanksgiving, how did that go? Uh, well, I'm I'm talking to you right now from the Raiders team facility. Right, right. Uh, which is exactly where I spent Thanksgiving. You spent Thanksgiving at the Raiders team facility? Well, you know, Thursday is our big, our big work day. So, uh, you know, That's you right. got to get stuff ready for Sunday. So usually Thursday is my, uh, you know, 9 a.m. till about 3, 4 a.m. work. And uh, that's what I did. I was, I was here in the facility. It was actually great. I was the only one here uh, after I like 6, imagine. 7 o'clock. Yeah, so I watched, I watched football games here in the facility and uh, got out of here, you know, close to midnight, I think it was. Not in time for some turkey. Uh, no, but I mean, it's a turkey. Uh, <laughs> I said, it's it's fine. It's a it's a lovely meal. Um, it's actually I enjoy things. I enjoy a good Thanksgiving meal. But Thanksgiving is about football. It's not about it's not about turkey and family and things like that. So, well, um, yeah. Why would it be about family? Oh, well, family's overrated. But I mean, I do enjoy seeing. I usually go up to the area and see family. But uh, with the Raiders practicing this year, you know, on a normal schedule, it, it, it worked out well, and it was fine. I, I I got to watch games without distractions. Like usually, you have cousins and aunts and uncles talking to you and annoying you when you're trying to watch football. This was good. I just got to focus on the games and my work. I uh, spent it with the Gatorade, the, the bad sickness on Thanksgiving. Oh no. Oh, it was, uh, it was awful. The big meal being made, smells throughout the house. I'm sitting there sipping the orange Gatorade all day. It was a complete disaster. Were you in bed or did you come down in the, in the living room? I was in the Barco lounger. Okay, well, at least you're around <laughs> everybody. I was around, you know, I was around the daughter and the wife, had the football on, sipping the Gatorade. I'm surprised they let you hang around them, though. Yeah, uh, the wife might have picked up a little of it. It wasn't good. The daughter did not, but... Um, you know, it was Thanksgiving. I wanted to be around the family. They didn't shoo me into bed, but uh, had the Barco lounger on, uh, sleep half of the time. Um, yeah, it was not a good day. Really, I, I, I was uh, I got knocked out there. You're saying my day at the facility was better? Absolutely. There's no question about that. Even with even with the nice meal at the house that I couldn't partake in. Absolutely. What an, what an indictment on the wife and daughter. What do you mean on their cooking? No, on them being around. Yeah, yeah. Better here than it was at home. Yeah, they uh, they they should have come out and joined you and brought you food. <laughs> at least yes. at least someone would have eaten it. Um, real quick, because we have a lot of football fans who um who listen to this show. Uh, and thank you for doing so. Um, I did want to ask you real quick. UNLV fired its coach Marcus Arroyo this week. Um, I think both of you and I had no problem with that move for a variety of reasons. 
But um, do you know, as we speak, and when people listen to this, it'll probably be over, but I've got to say this. As we speak, Akron is beating Buffalo 16-3 to in the second quarter. If that holds, if that holds, your school will be going bowling. Reaction. Yay. <laughs> I heard this referred to uh, by a place that you actually were uh, a part of as the biggest football game in UNLV history today. Yes, my Akron, co-host Akron Tyler, Bi- Tyler Bischoff uh, actually uh, said that, and uh, and they're and as Tyler just texted me a bit ago, they're finally winning a big game. It's true, coming through. Just need somebody else to do it for them, which is uh, is great. Look, it's a cool reward, and I would also say that you know, for those that haven't followed you, you know, before don't know what we're talking about. They were five and seven this year. So they fell short of a bowl game and coach lost his job basically as a result. But uh, because there's not enough six win teams in the country, UNLV would get in. They'd be next in line because they have the best APR, which means yes, they've, done very, very, they've done very yeah. well in the classroom, which this I think it's almost more valuable of a bowl appearance when you say, Hey, look, you fell just short of the wins, but, you know, you were doing things right and doing things well in the classroom. So I think that's a cool reward for the program. And it does say that, you know, the kids have been working very hard. So I would like to see them get it for that reason. Uh, oh, yeah. Cool reward. Um, I think but, I think Tyler and I talked about that. I think for the kids, it's a great reward for the kids. Sure. Uh, but, you know, and, and maybe, you know, being in a, in a bowl game helps you in the coaching search of like, hey, look, you've got, you know, you've got some good kids here and they're doing well in the classroom and also, you know, made a bowl game. So. Uh, I think that'd be very cool. It's it's all it's all good, except for the fact that you know you're you know you're in the middle of looking for a new coach. Uh, you fell, you know, you lost a game that you very definitely should have won uh, down the stretch against Hawaii that would have put you in a bowl game, and you didn't really show up for that game. So, um, as, mu- as much maybe bad feeling as there is right now in the program of you know being in a spot of looking for a new coach, I think it would be very very cool for the kids. Uh, before I let you go, any any uh, preference on the type of coach UNLV should hire, or any any names that you've seen that you really like and think would do a good job? Oh, I've already I've already thrown uh, my thought out there. So, uh, John Gruden would be fantastic. Uh, that's right. You're the you're on the John Gruden train. I mean, for so many reasons. I think you know. First of all, it's a big splash. I think he actually could do it. I think he really, really wants the coach for another thing. Um. And to see him winning games at Allegiant Stadium every week would just be such a great story. Um, can you imagine Gruden back at Allegiant? Yes. Oh, it would be tremendous. It would be absolutely classic. Um, I know you love Gruden. Um, I'm going to go with a pick. Uh, and I think his name's been mentioned so long, I'm kind of giving up hope it's going to be him. Gary Patterson, the former TCU coach now at Texas. Yeah. I think yeah. he'd be tremendous. It's, But it's almost like when the first guy is mentioned for the job and he's mentioned throughout, he doesn't end up being the guy. Um, yeah. So I don't think that's probably going to happen. And I don't even know if he'd want to leave Texas. He might feel there's a better job out there for him. And, you know, if he just waits. Um, but I do think, and I don't know, I think you agree. I, I think they should get a head coach. I really do. Some of these names I'm seeing, it's nice that guys used to go to this school. It's nice that they have Vegas ties. But – I've just, I've heard enough of that, man. Just get a head coach who's been somewhere, who's had success and who knows how to build a program. 
Yeah, I mean, get, Gary Patterson would work. Look, the 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 coach who's had the most success here over the last you know whatever thirty years was John Robinson, who yep. you know people said at the time was too old. He had obviously had some issues off the field that they, that he was dealing with, and were the reason that he was available for UNLV. But um, he did good things in a couple of years that he was here. So that that I think is the kind of coach with the experience that understands the you know how to navigate the NCAA in this world uh, would would be beneficial. And I think I mean Gary Patterson is a to me, a slam dunk. Uh, but yeah. I, like you said, I don't know that they get them. Uh, but I, I look, I, I think uh, you just give them time for the process to play out. And then we get to rant and rave and judge after that's the beauty of being media that doesn't actually have to make the decision. Darn right about that. Uh, all right. I will uh, see you soon. Uh, I'm sure you're at the Raiders facility writing as we speak. And uh, obviously we're very appreciative of everyone who listens to us here weekly. That's going to do it for our latest edition of Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casinos, SB and Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal, Blue Wire, and Liquid Death. Remember now, there are new episodes of Vegas Nation every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe to Vegas Nation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcasting app. Find all that coverage and more at VegasNation.com. For our producer, Larry Neer, and my co-host, Adam Hill, I'm Ed Graney. We'll talk to you next week. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the SDN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today 